Shall I start with this question? Dear teachers, could you say a few words about dealing with more intense, overwhelming emotions like traumatic memories or body memories? Putting attention anywhere else seems impossible when these come up. Thanks a lot. So, depending on our history, but also probably for most of us, there'll be uh, inner experiences, places we meet that feel more deeply fragmented, more deeply dissociated, split off. And some, for some of us, those places can be profound. And I guess a simple indicator is the experience of overwhelm. It's like however much we try to find a way to bring attention to these places, they, they hold on or they, you know, as we actually open up, they actually uh, get, get more potent and powerful and take over our mind. And it could be that, you know, just simply inwardly finding another part of our being to turn towards this part isn't, isn't sufficient. I have this sense, I I'm not completely sure it's accurate, that all of our conditioning was born out of relationship. And some of it, well, <laughs> not even some of it, to some degree, it, ha it needs to feel a different field of relationship to get a different imprint. So for instance, if there's been a, a deep loss of trust in holding, we need another to support us in, this, in just knowing what that resonance feels like to be held and supported, received in a way that we can, we can trust. And sometimes that needs to be a sort of deep and prolonged and on, ongoing experience for that that to heal, you know, that, that presence of another. And of course, our, our parents have an obligation to us, or, yeah, obligation, I suppose you could say it, our birthright, that no other human beings really have. And uh, we're so fortunate, I think, these days to have so many potential resources, professional resources, to, to consider in meeting these places. And quite often in our practice it's, it's, it's useful to source things that are congruent with our, our practice and our understanding, but also have a, an understanding of how to, to meet these places of trauma, especially specific trauma. So, you know, specialist understanding 
particular territories of healing, if it's the sexual abuse. So, you know, it's a simplistic thing. We get into the idea that, you know, the teaching on Viveka, the Pali word Viveka, it's often translated as solitude. And uh, it's that we do it, we, you do it on your own. <laughs> You sit on your little island mat and you, you know, you're not sufficient if you can't do it on your own. But we just don't know what's going to come up and, you know, you open up the space and something that's been deeply buried in the unconscious comes into it. And when we feel we can't do it on our own, how to honor that? If something is persistently showing up as, as difficult to hold, how do we discern well, what does it need? What kind of support does it need? So, um, my early days at Amravati, uh, the kind of ethos with the Dharma was the Dharma heals everything, Dharma sorts out everything. And I hadn't ordained by this time, but I was joining the community. It's a novice nun. She had a, a psychotic breakdown. And they didn't seek professional help, as far as I were. I used to be a psychiatric nurse. They didn't seek professional help. Or maybe she wasn't willing to. But she went into this psychosis. And, you know, this philosophy of the Dharma will take care of it. You know, we're here for her. And uh, it didn't. I'm trained as a psychiatric nurse and prolonged non-treatment of psychosis can lead to it becoming more deeply embedded. So that was that was very sad. And I, I don't sense here in this place. I think there was just such a, a idealism and esprit de corps at that time. <laughs> And the, the Dharma did seem to help so many people who were very troubled and not met in other ways by society. But I've certainly, in my journey, from time to time, done different kinds of therapeutic work, and, and particularly body work, especially with regards to the, what Arjun was talking about with the early, early life trauma, because it's pre-verbal. It's almost like that younger uh, imprint, you know, a baby doesn't know how to meet itself. It, it's not supposed to know how to meet itself, you know, it's, at least it knows itself by contact the, with the mother, mainly, or the parent. So that's made a difference to my meditation practice, just sensing what other resources might be needed what kind of resources and what might work, and sensing it out. That's what I want to say on that one. Do you want to add anything? Yeah, I think Laura's much more experienced in this than, than I, but um, yeah, certainly um, traumatic stuff around. It's not it's mainstream, really. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I mean, from my perspectives, such as they are, 
understand that these uh, traumas, these um, shock reflexes that are, I think the sympathetic way to look at it, is the best the system can do at that particular time when it's overwhelmed, shocked, overloaded. It's the best it can do. So it's like, you know, rather than get rid of what what's it trying to do? And uh, so sympathetic. Now, again, my sense is that the sympathetic experience is a field experience. So you can call it relation if you like, there's this and there's that. There's a field, a sympathetic field. Okay, you know, heart is a sympathetic field. The body is a sympathetic field. If you begin to, you know, explore it. Um, and it shivers and it trembles and it responds like a field effects and very simply speaking, too simply speaking, senses if we can extend and open the field, uh, body field, heart field, then that shock of trauma has got a place where it can discharge itself. Something's all tangled up. We can't go in there and kind of cut it out. You know, so just getting in there and getting too intense with it just tangles it up. We've got sense something's bigger than that that can receive it without blaming it or trying to get rid of it because it needs to move across the field. This is my sense of it. And such as such experiences I've, I've had, you know, um, not that I've been in kind of anything like a psychotic experience. It's, it's, it's the field that, that heals. Not to say that another person isn't valuable to help to catalyze and potentize and hold the field. But of course, nobody can heal anybody else. <laughs> exactly, you know, but they, they, can, they can resonate the compassion they can resonate the openness, the heart openness and the compassion and the groundedness that helps our field to do the same. Because fields are sympathetic. Yeah. It means, you know, if somebody else's field is kind of open and steady and grounded, something else will pick that up. Yeah. And then that allows these things to open, something allows things to open. And if there can be sympathetic resonance, you know, between the two, which is that then that engagement helps this to, to complete itself. Now, you know, so that, that's the blueprint, but I would also suggest that um, you don't want to go into, you know, that there's such a thing as skillful withdrawal strategic withdrawal. <laughs> Don't go into something, just charge in there until you can get out, until you can stay out of it. That means you've got to be able to enter, okay. Now if you find you're really sucked in, then you're in danger, you've got a problem, you need some help. Because this is where the vortex of the trauma is taking your energy in. You should really get some support. Okay. But if you can sense it, you know, something really quite disturbing, agitating, sucking, demanding, 
you know, that's there, just stay wide. Don't go into it, stay wide. That is the best, you know, in my opinion, such as it is to so create the sympathetic field, stabilize the sympathetic field first. And then how that, you know, sensing from there, this is what I think we touched into as one way of looking at Yoni Solman Sikara. And until there's that ground, some grounding, then you, the trauma's got the energy that's got no way to, to no no way to discharge to. See, it's like imagine something, all his energy's tightened up and he's to discharge, which isn't catharsis. It's it's discharge. Now another can help to provide that that ground. A sympathetic other can help to provide that ground. And of course, if we if we can can our personality can't manage it, but if our if we can do some of this work that that you know brings that field presence, body and heart presence into that state, then you can take little bits and keep you know dripping some of it, you know listening to some of it from that spacious sense. That's about all I would say. So, person here has some difficult dreams and fear is behind by being not able to connect with not-self. It would be helpful to know what your felt sense is of anatta. That's the Pali word for not self. What is your felt sense of not self? Does it feel like a disappearance of the personality or the physicality? I think it's um, something to uh, handle quite carefully because I've heard people really want to have the not self in order to get away from themselves. (laughs) Let me get somewhere where I don't have to feel anything, get out of this personality stuff. So there's something dissociative um, or blocking around that. I'd say, very simply speaking, or what kind of kind of ground level, anatta is the realization that all this stuff that I call myself is actually programs and energies moving around. What is it that can sense that? Yeah. What is it that can sense all those voices and poignant senses and emotions and feelings of programs and reflexes to be sensed with compassion, certainly with clarity, but you know, we stay with it but not in it. I would say that's one way to talk about anatta. Yeah, and it's the way it shows up in particularities. Yes, there's just the seeing, the seeing. The uh, so, for instance, uh, when I was showing that anecdote about my my mum, one thing I noticed in I didn't mention it at the time was there's a there's an experience of being someone to be seen. 
and an experience of the other whose job it is to see. And then there's a feeling that creates. So that's, of course, very, un- you know, very understandable with mother and daughter, but that's also the, the truth of the situation. There's a shape to that. Someone who should be seen. So it's not when you're seeing them, not dismissing it, but just rec- recognizing that sort of shape and dynamic. And I also notice it, you know, when I tear up a bit, uh, and there was a, can't quite distinguish it, but some kind of self-image that didn't want to include that activity, that experience in, in public. So there's some self-image about being a teacher or being in the role where that, that's edgy. And there's some sort of truth to that as well about propriety and boundaries, but there's also self self view there, and so it's like uh, something around how we want to be seen by others. It's a helpful question. How would I like others to see me? And just is it just it's not right or wrong. It's it's just to see the sorts lots of things we're holding a certain shape with, and just being able to see it doesn't govern or co-opt us so completely or co-opt the experience so completely. Can I, I can, do you mind if I share an anecdote of an experience of interaction with you? <laughs> it's an experience of an interaction with you. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Thanks. <laughs> Anyway, so I went to, um, it's after I disrobed, and uh, I went to the Karuna Institute, which is a lovely house on the moor, it's a Buddhist psychology training center, and there was a group of monks, and ex-monks, gathering there for a meeting, and me and my brother were picking up a friend of ours, a monk, to help him get to Karuna. And when I arrived, it was shortly after I disrobed, this monk invited me in to say hi, because uh, I knew most of the people there. I'd lived with them in community. So I went in, and uh, it was really nice. You know, I said uh, hi, and uh, they were quite warm and friendly, and recognition, and how are you, and... It's lovely, it's fine and warm, convivial. And then Arjun Sutta had been meditating upstairs, and we hadn't seen each other for quite a while. I was just quite, I don't know if you remember this. <laughs> yeah, anyway. So I, I just, uh, I was quite conscious of him coming downstairs, and just sort of that, just quite present with that experience of coming to meet. And for me, it was experience of both a sense of knowing the other person, but also somewhat like being met for the first time. It was just very fresh. And it was kind of equally fresh, just separating, saying goodbye. Just had a different quality. So uh, it's like what we make of the other, what we make of ourselves in relation to the other. And just being con- just being in touch with that, some other quality of 
meeting. Yeah, I just sort of felt in that moment. Yeah. So it's like, the, what's, what's it like to be in relationship when there's, when some of the attachment has been um, relinquished, I suppose. Anybody like to ask a question? When I was sitting, my timer went off and there was a vague voice that was encouraging and reassuring me that whatever issues I face can be resolved. I find this very exciting. What do you think is happening here? Some, sometimes, you know, what the flurries in the mind is just not quite clear. It can often, sometimes, it can sometimes not be quite clear. They even have a name for the sensation, like, is it fear, is it anxiety? It's, it's almost, sometimes it's more just like a more elemental movement of energy. You know, so that sense, oh, this is, you know, something's happening here, some little movement, not quite clear, not quite clear. And as I was listening to you, what I, what I sensed, picked up was the, the enthusiasm, you know, the, 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 you know, which is a wholesome quality, that kind of eagerness and, and uh, what I find with the energies is just just being curious, is there any any subtle push or pull or resistance in them? You know, so quite a lot often our energies can be a mixture of something that's supportive for our path, but mixed with something else that's not so supportive. So like the eagerness, but with a how do I get this right? You know, I quite often don't set a timer when I sit. I mean, I think different things work for different people. Sometimes I do because I've got an objective out of reason that I need to have a timer. But uh, sometimes it's just letting things have to take the time they need. And at a certain time, you go, oh, yeah, it feels right to pause on the sitting now. Yeah, like our natural energy, they don't. They don't fit into a time scale. And particularly when things, something's not clear, it can just help to really linger and sense in or see it. Not try to give it a name even, but just receive it. So like earlier in the meditation this evening, I was just feeling in, something wasn't quite clear, what, what, what's the... You know what's the quality of this, but I could feel it like a like a like an elemental. Like oh, it feels actually like the image I came to is it felt like a um, the air like in a dryer, a drying machine. So it had air because it's the sort of tiredness feeling, air but sort of oh, some heat as well. So it, it, sometimes it's helpful to kind of go to the the temperature level or the solidity or the vibrational element element qualities it's got. Yeah, does that help? Yeah, good. Yeah, it's a sense of how that that young unfolding uh, so responds to to being arrested. And something's unfolding 
and it almost interprets that that sound as a signal to 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 stop. Something something young is unfolding. It's youthful and enthusiastic. Could be, and then the sound comes, and whatever it is that could be obeys that sound to stop. It's a sound. What do you want to obey a sound for? Do you know what I mean? I mean, okay, it's, it's a silly question, but setting a timer, that's an interesting one. I know, I know, I can understand that set a timer, you set the timer, and something's happening, and you obeyed it. Something in you obeyed that. Well, I set the time, I'll switch it off. <laughs> As if that kind of youthful, young growing, you know, will, will give up its growth, its fruition, because of a signal. So just maybe it's good to open that place where the sound is interrupting. What's in there? What's at that place where the sound is interrupting? That sound is coming, interrupting. What's that? Yeah. So often these reflexes that we, we miss something within that reflex. Life messages, you know. Obedience is one of them. Mm-hmm. Obedience to a symbol. Even when you set it up. Can I ask you a question? Mm. How do you manage your relationship with obedience in the form? In this form? Mm-hmm. Because it's because forms are so formative. Mm-hmm. I mean, not it's not the obvious form, but we're all in different form, different external forms. Yeah. yeah. I try to ex- try to resonate to a sense of. I'm interested in harmony, and I'm interested in responsibility. I'm interested in harmony, I'm interested in responsibility. So I'm prepared to follow signs and signals that may be for the welfare of the whole. Uh, I want to be responsible, not just to be, I'm doing my own thing. So I'm, I'm, you know, I hear the signals and, okay, this is for the what the group or whatever, you know, you know, I can, I can be with that, I can open to that. Um, I don't like. I find it very challenged to have just blind obedience. I find it infuriating. Or anything that feels like it, and this maybe it's not. You know, maybe it's just that I'm very aware of that. So I'm kind of like, mm-hmm. why? Okay. Mm-hmm. 
you know. I, 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 I think it's, to me, I, I'd like, I mean, okay, just, but I'd like to feel I'm, I'm involved with that consent. Right, yeah. That's right. Otherwise, I get a bit less pleasant to live with. <laughs> Yeah. Should we do one more? This one from someone online, thanking us for his retreat experience online. And he uh, he says, if a part of our being nature gets accessed via spontaneous, free-flowing, higher-paced energy and movement, can sati and a slower mode of being lead to losing access to sides of our being. Does this maybe just highlight the importance of finding our own balance and pacing around quantity, quality of sati, mode, energy, pacing and movement? So one of, one of the things we've touched on in, um, in, our, in our conversations over there is uh, is uh, you know this quality of clinging has this quality of resting, rest, depending, leaning, inclining, and well, that can happen with a practice modality. It's like our our mind's very impressionable when when we med- meditate, it really impresses the mind quite strongly. So, for instance, it's quite a, a lot of emphasis on opening. And so we can get a, a ability to kind of protect and close in that reflex, can get a bit arrested. You know, we, we think, you know, open, allow, get lots of reminders about that. But sometimes the appropriate response is to, to close. So that reflex gets a little bit rested because there's been a subtle inclining into allowing rather than relating to that uh, suggestion of practice or not noticing that inclining because uh, that suggestion for practice is um, become a little bit of a habit rather than a response. And another modality is slowing down and actually being silent and coming away to a retreat center. You know, and, uh, you can think, well, we need these conditions. I know you probably don't think this, but, you know, we get used to these are the conditions where the mind can see what's going on and comprehend. And it's true. There's a truth in that. But it's also, it's almost like uh, that image I gave my swimming teacher holding up both hands and then taking a finger away at a time. So maybe being in a retreat center is a bit like having your body held up with both hands, or our chitter held up with both hands. But then, you know, I spent time with a side Tejaniya, we've mentioned a few times. In his monastery, you can sit or not sit, no, no noble silence, there's precepts. People do, you know, they walk fast, they walk slow. 
they snore, <laughs> they sit in the Dharma hall, lie in the Dharma hall, you know, you know so it's, it's what he, he just asks is how, you know, just bringing in some basic Dharma qualities like view, like intention, like effort to enable a, a continuity of awareness, noticing or present what is happening. I do a mix of the two. So when I used to be in that monastery, I uh, would um, first of all f find it helpful just to settle my mind. I just sit in my room and just just be quieter and silent and, and steady my mind. And then I would go out, just walk around and just see what happened, and uh, just observe, observe the mind. So, uh, I think it's too late to go into another anecdote. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to do that. But basically, uh, you know, quality of sati is it can handle, you know, so for it, it can handle different, different speeds, different velocities, and, and not lose awareness, not lose presence. You know, it's possible to have presence with rage. It's actually possible to have presence with the most extreme emotions, potentially if the, if the causes and conditions are there to be steady enough, you know, the keel is deep enough. It's possible to have sati going quickly, going on the train, being in a train strike, not knowing when the train is coming, not knowing what the arrangements will be. So it's, uh, you know, that side orientation, he'd get really excited when you talked about what you were learning when the train didn't turn up, or someone that really annoyed you. <laughs> what you deserved about the, the cause and effect process in that. Yeah, do you want to add anything? I think it was Sati, it's important to not sort of trap sati into some, you know, fixed position in space or time, or in terms of energy. Yeah. I mean, so, so I mean, certainly with many practices, the exercise of sati can be developed through sustaining a particular object with sati, and that's exercising it, so you're getting that good, fine. Um, and if, if it's relatively slow moving, you can probably get a, you can get your sati to be a little more tuned in, you know, because you, so, it requires that, that sense of holding something steady, holding something in it, not dropping it. So if it's moving slowly, it's a bit easier. But, you know, but then my sense is one wants to learn to expand that to cover a wider range, because some, not everything's going to be obedient to moving slowly. <laughs> So it's got to be able to handle a wider range. 
and connecting. So essentially, uh, you might have heard me talk about whole body awareness. So you know, so, so keeping keeping that. Then of course, some things move. Your body can move quite fast, and that you're still there with it. Yeah. You can move quite slow. You can you can even come to quite stable states, and then you can, if you wish, and it seems useful, refine it to particular points. Yeah, but um, the, like the, the the flexibility of sati, I think, is one of its one of the paramount exercises to cultivate. The flexibility of it doesn't mean you're dropping it, doesn't mean you're not being mindful, it's just you learn to hold objects at different rates, you know, and they have to move fast. Or, and to me the, the important thing is that we don't drop it because you've got the, you've got the field, you know, so I'm using the body field, or the mind is a field rather than a point, see. So it's not this thought, that thought, this thought, that thought, this thought. This it's the field of mind within which thoughts pop and rise. You, know, you hold the field. The field of mind in which emotions surge. and It's in the field of mind, the field of body in which, you know, energies move and shift and holding the field. So that's quite, quite elastic, you know. Then you're really going to learn from all of it. Mm. Some things move fast, and sometimes we have to move fast. You know, I remember, <laughs> I'll throw an anecdote in. I remember I was doing this very point meditation or point in the, the abdomen. And, just, and all you have to do is just keep going back to that. And, any thought, drop it. Any feeling, drop it. Any emotion, drop it. Just go back to that, to that, to that, to that. So you get strong, you know, and quite a lot of effort to do it. I could kind of do that after quite a long while. I could do that. Then there's in Thailand. One day I had to go to, I had to go to town for something, and I had to go down the street. And it was like. And then I had to cross a road. There's traffic. And I got in the middle of the road, I just freaked out. I froze. I could not handle the traffic winging past. I was just standing in the middle of the road like that. Fortunately, it's a Buddhist country, they didn't run me over. <laughs> somebody come and take me across the road. Because, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I so. You know, I'd, I'd learned this thing, which is, I don't want to put it down, but I hadn't learned to, the flexing, you see. And the, and the confidence that you could flex it. It wasn't just about holding that point, you see, so that, you know, holding a field. Then you, so if you're in the body, you've got the feet of the ground, obviously at the course level, you've got the feet, the head, span of the body on a kind of obvious level, but then you've also got that, this is what the skin does, you know, and the energies, once you come to skin, you're going to come into the, the energetic fields that are moving, actually go a little bit beyond the body, 
So you're holding that, means you begin to sense how you are as you move past people. You know, as your fields are extending, so you kind of have that sense of how you are in relationship in a very simple, somatic way. Holding that, they don't get that kind of, you know, retraction or feeling disturbed as you hold in the field. Mm. I think it was very. It's not just that's useful and applicable. It's actually deepening because it's often in the field that peace is kind of at the edge of the field. That 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 too close attention kind of doesn't pick up because it's it's more peripheral. It's more subliminal. But if you open the field, then the more subliminal, seemingly peripheral material comes in, and you're really being able to process some in depth in a patterning, which is energetic, emotional, psychological, and generally quite random and erratic in its in its um, arising. You know what I mean? I think that's enough for the day. Thank you. Thank you everyone for your questions. <laughs> <laughs>